today we will finish up 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It's been the focus of our study on our ambition. On our ambition. If you would please join with me in prayer and we'll read verses 9 and 10 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Father, we come before your throne. You who are the author and the finisher of our faith. It is in you whom we are clothed. It is in you whom we are overwhelmed by your glory and your majesty, your power, your authority, your mercy, and your grace. Father, as we look at this and we think about standing before the judgment seat of Christ, Father, may we be overwhelmed. May we stand in awe of just the sheer privilege. Father, thank you that we who are gathered can be called the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And even as we read in Ezekiel this morning, it is only by your hand of mercy, by your heart of love, and by a grace that overwhelms that anything good happens. And yet you have blessed us so richly. Father, give us ears to hear this day. Give us eyes to see the glory of the risen King and the lives of His people. Praise and glory. Amen. Verses 9 and 10 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to that, to what he has done, whether good or bad. What we're looking at is the Apostle Paul makes a statement there in verse 9 that we have as our ambition. Okay, what is our ambition? Uh, everybody has ambition um, uh, for something. Uh, but we all have ambition. There's things that we strive to accomplish, to achieve, to be the best at, uh, to whatever it is you want to do. And the Apostle Paul is trying to explain to you and I that as Christians, because remember what we're, st- we're dealing with here, okay? We're dealing with ministry, okay? And we, we've got a skewed view of ministry today, all right? Um, we've had so many things that we classify as ministry, um, that all of a sudden we have this hodgepodge. And, and it's, it's, it's like I hear people tell me, I have a music ministry. Okay? Basically, I am talented to sing. And I've classified it as a 503C. So I don't pay taxes on it because it's a ministry. Well, that's not why I... Yeah, it is. Because I can't find that biblically that a musician, music is a ministry. I see music coming out of the proclamation of the word. The book of Psalms could be put to music. But to say that it's a ministry, when I hear ministry, I think of a supernatural enabling. Now then. If I could walk over to that piano 
and begin playing it like Liberace and sound like Perry Como, that's a ministry. Because that's going to be supernatural intervention to get that to happen. Right? And everybody says, it'd be more in a minute. <laughs> Dude, that's scary to even think that. But do you see, that's the kind of stuff that I try to get people to understand. When I look at ministry, God has poured the Spirit into His people so that they will minister. They will do what they don't have an ability to do. Okay? And it, and it comes out of the miraculous work of God. Now, you know what? Um, I've been to Russia, and one of the things that first few trips of Russia that I stood in awe of is that everybody is musical. I mean, I don't care. They could have been a babushka, which is like a, an elderly grandma. Okay. Or a kid, they walk by the piano and you just sit there going, does anybody not play the piano in this church? But then you watch them. They play the guitars. They do. They, there's not a musical instrument that none of them can play. Well, Dimitri, but his glasses, <laughs> dude, his eyes look about that big around. You're like, oh, can you see? And then you look at his Bible in this huge print. And I'm like, dude, you're like legally blind. But everybody else that I watch is, can play. And so I, as you spend a little time with them, you realize they didn't have access to CDs, CD players, radios, televisions. And if you wanted music... You better learn to play something. Okay? But if you watch them, they all sing. And I mean, it's not like... Um, um. Have you ever seen some next to those people who see, you see their mouths moving, but there's nothing coming out. And that means <laughs> the joyful noise ain't there. Um, but when you get into a Russian church, they start singing. Everybody is singing. And some shouldn't. But... But they're praising God and they're just going with it. These are the kinds of things that I watch and I think about ministry and I say, this is, these people got this thing figured out. They're doing ministry. Our country today, you want a lot of people in the church so you get a good offering so you can hire ministers. Well, the Bible teaches that if you're saved, you're already a minister. Okay, now you may not act like one. Still doesn't make it not true. So when I move into 2 Corinthians, I'm thinking the whole framework is based on ministry. Okay, ministry means serving. Serving one another. Sacrificially. Supernaturally empowered to do it. That's really kind of cool if you think about it. If the Holy Spirit has given me the energy source, I don't have to sweat much. Right? Because you and I have talents and abilities that are natural to us, that maybe we were trained in, but we also have a supernatural power source that only spoke existence into being and only flung the stars into the heavens. That's all. Oh, did I tell you that He justified you, made you just in God's court, that you can stand in sanctification and you only stand in the holiness that is God. That's all. So I'm thinking that it's kind of a strong power force. All right? 
are we serving? And one of the reasons that I see people who don't serve is what is their ambition? Okay, Paul's real straightforward here. My ambition, what? To be pleasing to him. Okay, when I think about it, I just want to be pleasing to God. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, whatever I'm doing, I hope that I'm doing it to be pleasing to God. I shared with you guys uh, uh, in the Sunday school class that I had somebody come in and, and I have to deal for some reason with experts in everything. <laughs> if you don't believe me, ask them. Okay, and so when you work on motorcycles, um, everybody who brings you a motorcycle is an expert. And part of me says, if you're an expert and you know what you're doing, why are you bringing it to me? Okay, and so... Um, I had two of them show up, and they, the clutches are grabbing. They, they, they can't, their clutches ain't working. And, you know, I've adjusted it, and I've done this, and I've done that, and they're all wanting to go from a, what they call a dry clutch to a, a wet clutch. And, uh, and I said, well, why? And they well, it's grabbing it, and I've adjusted it, and all the rest of it. And I said, all right. I know what's the matter with it. it. Ain't got nothing to do with the clutch. You can't adjust the clutch if you've got tension on the clutch cable. You always have to release tension on the clutch cable. Okay, then you adjust the clutch pack, then you put the tension back on the cable. Any expert should know that. Okay, they're wanting to spend roughly four to $5,000 to fix it, and I can do it for $42. But I'm thinking I'm going to bill the experts. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, What? <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. But but you see this all over the place. And when I deal with these kind of things, you go through the day-to-day life. What is your ambition? We all have, uh, why do we have, uh, what do they call that thing? When New Year starts? New Year's resolutions. Okay? I make one resolution every New Year's. And I keep it all year. I'm the only person. One resolution I make, and it's for the whole year, and I have never broke it. You know what it is? That I will make no resolutions. Okay? It's really not hard. I'm just not going to make a resolution. Why? It's a new year, therefore I'm going to what? Be frustrated by February. These are the kind of stuff that I watch what happens with us. And and you look at what is our ambitions. Paul says, I'm going to be pleasing to God. All right. That's a real straight goal. After your salvation, that thing will start growing in you that the things you're doing, you want to do to what? Be pleasing to God. But you also see there that his devotion was set on that whether at home or absent. Okay, whether in his physical body here on the planet or in his presence in the heavenlies. All right. So his devotion was not based on, you know, you're going to be really devoted when you see him face to face. Guaranteed. But the key is, is your devotion for him here that way? And the Apostle Paul says, whether I'm here or whether I'm in his presence, the degree of my devotion to be pleasing to God 
does not change. You have to think about that for a second. You know, it's easy for us to get here on Sunday morning and say, I want to be pleasing to God. I wonder where we're going to eat lunch at today. Right? And then get a little farther out, say, Monday morning rush hour traffic. I don't feel so devoted to God, and I want to know where my grenade launcher is for these people. Right? Because these people don't know how to drive. They're all from California. I know they are. I know nobody's ever thought that before. So, but, but, uh, brings back a memory. Anyway, uh, <laughs> these are the kinds of things that I want you to think about is that as you're going through the day-to-day stuff, what's your devotion? Or is it, I'm here now, and I can't wait to check out of this thing so I can be really devoted to him. Paul is trying to tell you and I that the devotion you have here will be mirrored in heaven. What you're doing now has an impact on the eternals. All right? Which brings us to what we're looking at was Paul's motive. Motive is there in verse 10. We must all appear. I like that. You know what that means? We must all appear. That would be, there is no exemption. I'm I'm hearing our government has exemptions now. Uh, We'll pass a law, but you're exempt. All right. Paul is trying to tell you as a Christian, there are no exemption. We are what? All going to appear where? Before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. The judgment seat of Christ. Did you just hear what it said? Okay. It's the word bima in the Greek. And it literally means a lifted up place. So wherever it's at, Jesus is going to be seated at it. And it's going to be looking down on. Look what he says. We must all. Okay. And he says right there, each one, you know what that means, right? Each one. It's the individual. Each one will be recompensed for his deeds in the body. Okay, people have asked me, well, in the body, what does that mean in the body? Is that the physical body or the body of Christ? Yes. (laughs) Okay, why? Because if I'm not mistaken, the physical body is in the body of Christ. When I'm out of the physical body, I'm in the presence of the Lord. So which one is it? Both. You can't be in the church and not have a physical body. Okay, now there's some who'd like to think they are, but but they're not. So here's what he says. For what he has done, whether good or bad. Okay, everybody just freaks out. Oh my God, it's, it's going to be one of them in the big screen TV on behind you and God's going to go through all the junk I've done in my life. That is not what that sex deals with. Okay, please understand something. For a Christian to be in front of the judgment seat of Christ has absolutely nothing. Please hear me well has absolutely nothing to do with sin. Sin was taken care of on the cross. It is in the past. It is far as the east is from the west. It is in the depths. It is remembered no more. Get a hold of that. Everybody freaks out and says, oh, he's going to run through. See, I didn't do that. I missed church that day. Oh, I didn't give because I forgot my checkbook. I didn't, you know, no, that is not what it's doing. He's saying, what did you do in the temporals that has eternals to it? All right. Whether good or bad. The word there means worthless. 
When it says bad, it ain't got nothing to do with sin. Three words can be translated bad. One is a moral evil. One is just plain old evil. And one means worthless. Okay? That's what we started looking at. And so when we look at this, he says each one will be paid back for what he has done, whether it was worthless or whether it was good. Okay? Last week I can close with this thought. What is the difference between the good and the worthless? Thought you would never ask. So we will conclude verse 10 by going to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And I'll give you the context because the context starts in verse 8. Remember the little argument that has started. I am of Apollos. I am of Paul. You know, the, the arrogance and the pride of the individuals in the church of Corinth was standing up and people were trying to say, oh, I'm of Jesus. Okay, and, and you still see it today. Okay, but look here, he, what he says here. He says, I planted Apollos watered, but God is the one was causing the growth. Okay, and then verse 8, look at verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. Okay, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. How much work did he put in it? Whether he was planting or watering. I know for a fact that I'm more of a waterer. Okay, I know that that's my passion. Okay, if I... Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like lost people, but it's not that I don't, that I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. That is not my gift. Okay. I am a waterer. I want to see people grow. I want to see them be strong. I want to see them to be, as the ladies studied last month, overcomers. All right, I want. That's what I want to see. That's that is my passion. That is uh, uh, the, the the thing that that jazzes me up. I want to see the people do it. It's really awesome. Okay, now it doesn't mean that people haven't gotten saved under my ministry. Five. <laughs> so I can tell you, it isn't that strong. I wish I had five overcomers. No, just kidding. Okay, <laughs> but but, you know, it's just that's the kind of stuff that when I look at this and I, I look, he says that they are one. So in the context, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one receive his own reward according to his own labor. So do you understand there, you hardcore Calvinists, you're still involved. You will be laboring I pray that you will be laboring whether you are planting whether you are watering okay now understand when it comes to planting and watering do you understand that sin's not involved those who serve God it is God who does it you are nothing but the container the vessel, the channel, the conduit, whatever you want to call it. 
It is God doing it. That's why I, I get frustrated when I watch Christians says, well, I shared the gospel with them, but they thought oh, it was kind of stupid. And I just, it just hurt my feelings. And it was like, you can't do this wrong. We have to understand that. Well, but I want to no. Where does the response come from? God. It isn't based on you, your clever schemes, or how, you know, if you would have just said this during the gospel presentation, this would have happened. You can't do that. You just flat out can't do that. And yet I watch people get discouraged. I know people in this church who have taken on, quote unquote, disciples, poured themselves into them just to watch them walk away. And you feel like, well, that was a waste of time. How many times has the Lord looked at you and says, gosh, that's a waste of time. Right? And all of a sudden you think, well, I'll just spout something up and the whole world will bow before me. I doubt it. I doubt it. It is God who is doing it. Whatever the harvest is. It is God's plan. We are but the container. That's why we will sing, surrender all. I surrender all. Why? I don't need any of this. I am but a container in the hands of an awesome God. If you are saved today, that should be your mindset. Because your ambition is what? To please God. What if God wants to take your... uh, You ever seen those... uh, Watering cans, it's got the big gooseneck on it, a little thing that looks like a shower thing. Sometimes, you just don't walk around with that everywhere you go, pouring. Sometimes you set that thing down over here. Okay, and it just sits there. Sometimes God says, that bucket needs to be refilled. But we think, wow, no, I need to be watering all the time. That's the problem with some of you. No, you don't. Each one of us labors. And a Christians are rewarded for their life effort. What effort did you do as a Christian in the time frame God has allotted? What did you do? What, did you labor? Did you wait? What did you do? That's what he's trying to get at. Because when it comes to planting, when it comes to watering, guess what? God gives the increase. All right? But do you labor? Do you work at it? Verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Okay? What he just said there is that if you're a Christian, you are a worker you're a laborer it literally means to produce sweat on your brow that's what it means okay note it doesn't say you're a preacher music leader Sunday school teacher a deacon an elder it says that if you're his you're a worker you know I watch people fight over spiritual gifts I see two and everybody goes, two? Come on, man. We got like 19 of them here. No, I see two. Speaking and serving. 
I know we like to make it more complicated than that, but that's really what it boils down to. You're either going to be a teacher, which you're not, should not be many of because their judgment is harsher, or you're serving. Right? And, and I, it's, I know there's been times in my studies, and part of my problem is, is that I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of thick and lumpy. Okay, there's times that I have sweated trying to understand what in the world is he telling me? <laughs> okay, and you wrestle with the word of God. I do. Maybe you guys are smarter than me, but I, there's times I'm oh man, that just seems kind of goofy. Okay, I know you guys don't ever step into, you called God goofy? <laughs> well, I didn't call him many, but anyway. Um, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? There's times, have you ever wrestled in prayer? Okay, have you ever been in prayer to the point that sweat would come out of your forehead? Jesus did. That's praying hard. And what was amazing about that prayer is he already knew the answer. He was looking for the strength. Any of you ever had that? You already know the answer, but you don't have the strength. And so you try to rationalize a different answer. And you know what? Sometimes we'll work at it. I want this answer. And by golly, if I get this refinancing to go through, I'll have that answer. (laughs) And God says, there he goes again. Okay, it's Christian service. Please understand this. I, I really need to emphasize this. I don't want you to think that you're standing up there and you're giving an account for sin. If you believe that, or someone tells you that, know this emphatically, it's blasphemous. It is finished means that. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what no means? But you will give an account for the labor that you have put forth in the body. Did you waste your time? I shared with you last week. You know what? I can go play golf and that is not a sinful activity. But I'm thinking that it's not really that profitable. Unless I was singing hymns. I could sing hymns out playing golf. And it still wouldn't help my game. But <laughs> make everybody stay away from me. That's crazy over now. You read on. Let me show you something here. Verse 11. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, now let me ask you a question. You're here on Sunday. I'm grateful. I would assume that you have laid a foundation of Christ, right? Okay, then I will ask you the second part of the question. You guys all know how I do that. I lay one out there so you just step in it. If you've laid the foundation of Christ, what have you built your life on? Because I hate to break the news to you, it is very evident. You can't walk through this life and not show what you're building. Okay? And some, I believe, have a foundation of Christ, 
but they haven't laid one stone on that foundation. What he's trying to tell you is, is the foundation stone is Christ. It's already been laid. All right? That is where you build your life. That is where you put your labor, your energies. You watch us today in Castle Rock, Colorado. There are far too many who know the foundation, but they're putting their energies and their efforts in themselves. You ask yourself if you oversleep in the morning, I'm going to assume that we all read our Bibles before we start our days because it's just protective. That if I'm running late or I'm overwhelmed by something, who gets shortchanged? Christ and his word and prayer to him? Does he get shortchanged? Heaven forbid I would ever shortchange my Lord. <laughs> Or do I get short chase? Okay, now I want to show you something. There's six things here we can build with. Basically, the first three are indestructible. There is a value to them. The other three, well, there's no value. Now understand, it's not evil. Okay? But it does illustrate there are things out there that last. And our lives is full of a lot of stuff that don't last. Okay, now remember, the foundation's been laid. Jesus Christ. Okay? But there is a lot of stuff in our life. If you're not, I'm talk, not talking about evil. There's a lot of stuff in our life that does not have much eternal consequences. Right? There's no lasting value to it. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, okay, the foundation, verse 12, and on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stone, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw. Each man's works will become evident for the day that Paul's speaking about in 5.10 of 2 Corinthians. All right. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire shown it because it will be revealed okay now if you think about it go back to the book of revelations do it in your own time but you go back to the book of revelations you'll see jesus described as eyes of what eyes of what fire well he's going to look right through it and it all gets exposed now listen you got to understand something he's not exposing it to himself he already knows He's exposing it to you. Here, look. You worked so hard, so diligently. You poured yourself into this and it burned up. Bless your heart. You tried, but you weren't building with gold, silver, or precious stone. It looks good. But when the heat's on, it becomes evident. It's not eternal. God has filled our lives with wonderful things. I've had the privilege to travel to some amazing places. 
and, and see some and, and just do some amazing thing. I, you know, I think about standing. There's a viaduct that was running along the coast of Israel into uh, is it Caesarea yeah, into Caesarea. And, and it's crumbled down, uh, the, the, and it's, it's, I mean, this thing's on the beach, guys. I mean, we're talking, you go under this thing and you're out there and that's the Mediterranean. I mean, you're, you're probably looking at this at tie out, tied out. You're probably looking 20, 20 yards, but you can see where the wind has blown the sand dunes up over and it's trying to cover up the viaduct. Okay, because this is what would be bringing fresh water into the city. And part of it's just falling down and all the rest of it. And I remember standing there and this white sand. And the Mediterranean looked like somebody had spilled blue food coloring. It was a fake blue. You just look at it and you go, oh, dude. And then here you see this huge viaduct. And and it's falling apart, being covered by sand. And I think, whoa. This is, whoa, this wasn't on a list of things that I wanted to do when I grew up, and I'm really thankful that I'm doing this. I remember hanging on a rope about 950 feet, on a, about a 93-degree rock, watching the sun come up over the eastern horizon of Colorado. Long's Peak, if you look north, you see Long's Peak. I'm hanging on the east face. We were supposed to climb in it a day. And God said, here they go planning again. Um... And we got caught, had to spend the night in it. And to speak of a restless night would be the understatement of my life. But all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're hanging there by your harness. You spent all night spinning back and forth on the rope because, as I said, it's 90 degrees out. So the rock's over here. You're out here going, gosh, this, this isn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. But all of a sudden, you see the sun coming up. And it's like the beauty of it. But you know what? In either of those cases... The beauty of God's creation, dude. Look at what God's painting with. It's worthless. It's a memory that I have. It's worthless. I sat on the Sea of Galilee, and I had a church directory. I got up early one morning. The sun hadn't come up, and they have these birds over there that are just noisy. And they get in these bushes, and it's just... Crickets. And I went down to the Sea of Galilee. And I'm just sitting there on the edge of it. And I take out that prayer director. And I can look across the Sea of Galilee. And over there is Tiberias. And Mount Arabat is right there. That most people believe that Jesus ascended to glory off the top of that mountain. And I'm sitting there. And I'm going through the directory. Praying for each one of you and your kids. That's gold, silver, and precious stone there. Because I've realized that if I take my church directory and I pray for every one of you, it's got eternal ramifications. And I don't have to be sitting by the Sea of Galilee. I got Chatfield. <laughs> when the ice is gone. I love you guys a lot, but not that much. <laughs> sitting on a block of ice and pray for you. God has filled our lives with wonderful things. We enjoy it. But you know what? It may not have anything eternal to it. We need to fill our lives with the eternals. We don't reject the beauty of this creation. But this creation is passing. 
It will not last. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. We can enjoy what is here temporary. But we need to fill our lives with the eternals. We need to be looking with an eternal perspective. We look to the internals. We look to the heavenlies. We take the beauty of this place and we give God the glory. Absolutely. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. There's that each man thing again. Each man's work. Romans 8. Each man's work. 2 Corinthians 5. Each man's work. Here. It's the individual. What did you do? What was your labor? How much energy did you put in it? And it will become very evident in Christ's evaluation. He will evaluate this thing. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Therefore, not do not go on passing judgment before time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will, will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's heart. Then each man's praise will come to him from God. Why is it we work today so we can be praised? Remember when we had uh, the, the pews about the old building? And we had the little placards on the side of it. This is in memory of Bob Hope. And this is in memory of whoever all over. What is that? Well, I donated that pew. I spent money. I wanted a recognition that I spent money for my Aunt Ethel on that pew. Well, you got your praise. That's it. That's it. But you and I run around, I watch people on a regular basis who believe they need to accolade. Somebody's got to say, I did good here, or I ain't doing nothing. You know what? If your ambition is to be pleasing to God, whose praise you want? Man's? Man's? It's just a man. You know what's funny is we got president's heads on a rock up in the Dakotas. But if we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth, nobody's going to see it. You know, I've got a great monument in Washington. They won't see it either. But yet, look at what our focuses are. The day will show it. Christ, in an elevated position, is going to test the quality of it. He will put it under his fire test. How does it stand up under the heat? And the fire is his gaze upon it. Put the fire on it. What comes out? Got an email from my son. I shared it with you guys. That under pressure, under duress, you see what comes out. Ain't it true? We go cruising, skip to do die through life, thinking Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. And then all of a sudden you get broadsided and God says, you trust me? Well, go read Job. No, you. Oh, I'm convinced that the suffering of this age can't. I hope it happens for you. Right? Because it is when those times of heartache and pain that is overwhelming that the trueness of who we are and who our foundation is is going to shine forth.
or not. Perhaps it won't shine forth. You just sit there and go, dude, that's wood, hay, and stubble. It's just, everything's boiling. Okay? Now listen, again, I want to make sure that you understand that I'm not talking about morality. I'm not talking about evil deeds. I'm talking about what remains will be rewarded. Each of us at different times have labored at a task for the Lord. All right? But, you know, it's, it's, I see in the body of Christ, we want to labor as long as there's this boom, boom thing happen. Okay? As soon as you cross that bridge, know this. You're saying Ezekiel is a failure. You're saying that Jesus Christ's ministry is a failure. You're saying that Jeremiah was a failure. Isaiah was a failure. John the Baptist was a failure. You take truth. You roll it out and let God deal with it. If someone gets saved, God gets the glory. If they all get condemned, God gets the glory. You are but the container. Do you labor with the task that you've been given? Because if you labor based on your reward, then you're looking at the temporal. I'm looking to be well-pleasing to my God. That I can hear, well done, true and faithful servant. Is there anything greater? Good gosh. And I watch us today flailing around in the name of Jesus for no apparent reason. Does it have eternal value? Listen, this ain't dealing with your salvation. You're saved, you're saved. The issue is the rewards. The issue is is that the end of our time in these tents... Will we hear praises from God? That's the point. And I mean, if you think about it, you want to know why Paul was motivated? He wanted to hear the praises of God. That's serious motivation. It's coming a day that each of us will stand before Christ. And Paul says that should motivate us. It motivated me. You take all this stuff, all the activities, even look in Paul's life, all the stuff that he went through, all the activities of his life. Jesus is just going to burn away the stuff that is of no eternal value. It'll be gone. What remains is the substance of our eternal rewards. Eternal capacity to glorify and to serve God. Is based on your labors now. That's amazing to me. I, it's amazing to me that we even get the privilege. Let alone. Uh, what? Lo, I come quickly and I. Re- bring my rewards with me. Whatever I do in this body has direct implications on my eternity. The capacity that I will have to serve and glorify God 
forever and ever is based on my fervent labor now. Right now. Paul sought this highest goal. This is a noble ambition. He had his widest devotion was to this goal. His motive was, I want to be praised by God. I want to spend this temporal life pleasing to him. So when I'm done with this temporal life, I will be praised by God and God will be glorified. Honor him for eternity in the highest, fullest capacity possible. Is that your goal right now? Let me tell you, you're going to get weighed by it. Take this tent, take this body, and use it to serve him. Now, that I do want to give you a little caveat in case you're thinking, oh, man, I'll get out there now. I'm going to buy me a whole case of tracks. Instead of that one, I keep in my back pocket and just in case. Let me give you a text. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's that walk word again. Remember today we were teaching on walking the spirit. Okay. It should be second nature. The good works that God has prepared. I'm just walking in them. I like that. I don't want to run in them. I don't want to jog in them. I just want to walk in them. Paul says, I have an ambition. And by stating that, he's basically the implication is, what's yours? You know what? Yes. I long for heaven. Yesterday, I was moving some motorcycles around. And I knew it was going to be a little chilly. I had to deliver one and hooking up trailers and all the rest of it. And I knew it would be cold, okay, because weatherman said, it's going to be cold. Weatherman did not tell me that they were going to turn gale force winds on. So everywhere I turned... It, I don't even want to get into it. It was just like, why do these people want these motorcycles today? It's in the single digits with a wind. And you want this motorcycle today. Really? Why? So you can roll it into your garage. And I got to freeze my... And then you start thinking about it. You know what? I was longing for heaven. <laughs> I bet if there's a breeze in heaven, it's still not cold. There's a breeze in heaven. There's still no heat. It's just perfect. Should be our passion to be in his presence. But you know what? It doesn't mean we are irresponsible with our time here. I learned a long time ago. I have one thing that is the most precious to me in my entire life here on this temporal world. It's time. I don't know how much I got in a bank. And once it's spent, I can't go down and get more. I can't invest it at a percentage rate of increase. All I have right now is 
time. I do not know how much I have. So my question to myself on a regular basis is, eternal or temporal? Because this is all I've got. I don't know how many, but I got right now. You know, it, 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 you know, it drives some of you crazy because I watch some of you pray. You, you're planning things six months out. I'm living for right now. And now. And now. Why? Because this is all I've got is right now. And what am I doing with it? And am I putting any energy in it? Listen, there's times that the, the, the vessel gets tired. There's absolutely times. They're just tired. So what are you going to do at the time? Sleep. Why? So I can get up and do it again. You can't be irresponsible. But right now, you've looked at Paul's motive. You understand his ambition. You understand his devotion. You know what? When I think about a noble ambition, uh, one of the things, <clears throat> some of you have studied Daniel. Uh, if you haven't, you really should because it's a pretty amazing book, actually. But the thing that I learned that was the most amazing to me in the book of Daniel. Okay? And, and if you're going to go find it, you got to go look for it because I just like doing that. But there's one thing in that book that stunned me more than anything. You know what it was? He had been praying and was waiting for an answer. Okay? And an angel of God appears to him. Okay? To give him the answer. Now, everybody, can you can stop right there and say, well, that's pretty amazing. You know, hey, Western Union. He got a text from God by an angel. But that ain't what the amazing part was. You know what the amazing part was? The way the angel addressed Daniel. He addressed it, Daniel most exalted in the heavenlies. Now you think about that for a second. That's before the cross. Penalty of sin ain't been paid. So all you got in the heavenlies is the Godhead and the holy angels. And he says, Daniel, you are highly exalted in the heavenlies. No, Daniel was not working his salvation, but Daniel was working. And that was exalted in the heavens. That's amazing to me. That, that out of the whole book of Daniel amazed me more than anything. Because I just sit there because I thought, this is pre-cross. The penalty of sin had been paid for. Please understand, we are unworthy of anything. And yet God in his awesome power has made us to be able to stand and be exalted by God himself by fulfilling and walking in the works that he prepared beforehand. And it is produced by the Holy Spirit and it is produced in absolute submission by the heart of fallen men who have been redeemed and justified and sanctified by the person of God. But know this. Each one will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And give it account. Where would you put your labor? Eternals? 
Gold, silver, precious stone? Wood, hay, stubble. And as he looks upon it, that that is temporal will be burned up, that that is eternal will shine forth, and he will praise you for it. And it really doesn't matter what it looks like down here, people. What does it look like up there? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Amazing things that you do. Lord, I pray that each of us will hear what Paul said and say, let's be followers of Paul. Followers of Paul as he is of Christ. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you set a man among the Gentiles, a minister, a servant, to set a path, to set a course on a foundation of our Lord and our Savior that each of us, that even this day, may build our lives upon that same foundation. Father, that overwhelms me. I praise you and thank you anyway. May each of us press on for the upward calling, considering others more important than ourselves. To you and you alone, our Lord. Amen.